Kayafan Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM where we bring you all the news, all the gadgets, all the views and some interesting discussions around some of the crazy, some of the helpful and some of the useless tech that uh, hits our uh, shores and hits the world over the last little while. But it's been quite an interesting week. June is the month that a lot of stuff happens globally in regards to tech. A lot of conferences. We've spoken about Microsoft's developer conference. We've spoken about Google's developer conference. Well, the Big Daddy, or the Big Apple, uh, and that's not New York, by the way, but the Big Apple had their developer conference last week. I didn't speak much about it because it's such a huge topic. There's so many different things going on. We didn't talk last week, but I held it for this week because I want to go into it in some depth, trying to unpack some of the the hardware, some of the software. The software stuff, remember that the Apple WWDC um developer conference is primarily aimed at developers globally and many i mean it is so popular they have a lottery system this is really so fascinating in the good old days back when they first started this they would sell out their tickets in one and a half minutes i mean people would just be sitting on their computers all waiting and the problem with that is if you're in the wrong time zone if you were traveling if you're unable to get your computer it became like a real problem a lot of people who really needed to be at the conference or wanted to be just never made it. So they changed it to a lottery system. I'm not quite sure what the rules are. They don't say. I'm not quite sure how they work it out. Again, they don't say. But basically, you have to be qualified. You've got to be in the industry. You've got to send them all your information. And you go into a lottery and uh, you get the chance to give them your $1,500 to attend the conference. They don't ever, I've never yet had an invite from any you know, uh, as, a, as a South African media, they do invite the media from around the world. So we just follow them and see what's what. But essentially, it sets the tone or sets the agenda, gives you the blueprint of what Apple are up to for the next year and the very least, but certainly in the near future. And during the Tech Talk Cafe segment today, I'm going to go into it in some depth. We'll talk about hardware. We'll talk about software. We'll talk about the upcoming iPhone 8, just to get a sense of where they are. And the main reason is, I mean, there's always this semi-religious argument between Apple folk and Android folk and whatever's going on. But the truth is the Android or the Google ecosystem built around Android and the Google operation, as well as the whole Apple ecosystem sort of define what we do globally. As much as Samsung is probably one of the largest manufacturers of product, they fit into one of those ecosystems, the Google ecosystem, very strongly and try to, you know, make their products and their platforms and everything work well within that ecosystem. But Apple define their own game. They make their hardware, they make their software, they create the platforms, they create the tools. And right now, um, developers make more money currently out of the Apple ecosystem than anything else on the planet. So from a purely business point of view, I mean, if you're looking to do something around the internet, apps, mobile, you name it, I mean, Apple is a game Pretty much, maybe not so much in South Africa and a couple of other emerging markets for lots of reasons. We don't have massive Apple penetration. But generally in the in the Americas, in slightly less extent Europe, but certainly in the East, there are literally billions of people using Apple gear 
on a daily basis and investing and spending. I mean, a simple stat is that more the average user spends more on the Apple App Store than they do on the Play Store with Android. They might download more apps on Android, but they tend to be free apps. People tend to pay for more apps on the Apple App Store. And every time they pay, some developer somewhere makes some money. So, you know, it's really an interesting thing. Forget the politics. Just look at the scale. Look at the reach and follow what goes on at WWDC and uh, find out more about what's going on with with Apple, what they're enabling, and it gives you great insight into the technology that's coming down the road. Apple, interestingly, tend to not lead in many respects. They tend to be superb followers. So they did not invent the mobile phone. They certainly did reinvent the mobile phone, and since that date have done a superb job at becoming pretty much in some markets number one mobile phone manufacturer and globally the most profitable mobile phone manufacturer. So whichever way you look at it, you can't argue with those sort of stats. Um, and on the, other, on the other side, you know, they've been able to generally control the entire stack from the hardware to the software to the services. They all work seamlessly and they certainly do deliver an experience for the average user that just takes the mystique out of tech. It's simple to use. It works as advertised consistently 99% of the time. So really, really important to see what's going on and we'll go through that all um, a little bit later. So just some other interesting news that's going on out there. All you people who use ABSA um, as a bank in fact, even those of you that – well, no, I think it only applies to those of you that use ABSA as a bank because the, you can – if you're an F&B banker, you can obviously use an ABSA ATM. But what ABSA have, not, have announced is that they are revamping their ATMs. Now, those are good old machines you go to when you want to do cash. Not everything is cashless yet. In fact, South Africa is far from a cashless society. So what they've done is they've re-looked at how you use your ATM. And they said that what they're trying to do, in fact, what they are going to do, is they're going to drop the average interaction from close to a minute down to 20 seconds using smart technology. So instead of spending 50 seconds, which is the average right now for a transaction on an ABSA ATM, they're going to cut that down to 20 seconds by doing a couple of really clever things. And it's all about personalization. When you go to the ATM and you select your language, from then on, unless you change that, um, your language will be pre-selected. There'll be no more asking stupid questions. Um, if you... you um, draw exactly the same amount of money or pay the same bills every single month, it will prompt you to do those sort of things or bring them up as quick options so that you can really quickly draw the thousand rand you need, uh, pay the bill that you need to pay. And I think it's a, it's a great idea. I mean, this is the benefit or the, the promise of technology. Make your life easier. Make things more convenient. Make things simpler. So good on you, Absa. I think it's a great idea. I mean, who wants to stand in line uh, all the time wasting hours at an ATM. It used to be at the teller, and now you see the lines forming outside at all the ATMs. So if they can cut that down by almost two-thirds, I think it'll be great. So um, good on uh, on Absan. They're rolling this out across the country right now. It's already in some of the big branchless branches and some of the big centers. But by the end of July, the full upgrade will be out across the entire network. So look forward to it. And don't be scared if you see things have changed. But um, hopefully they've really changed for the good. And another really good news story, um, Netflix is certainly eating 
the world of of television and as fiber rolls out more and more and more and more every week a new suburb is rolling out with fiber and actually interestingly enough telcom this is a discussion for another time but telcom have essentially said that they will put no development into any other uh, uh, data technology other than fiber going forward but showmax our own local um Netflix competitor, right built right here in Johannesburg, now operating across Africa and parts of Europe. They've really grown really quickly, but they're part of NASPERS, which certainly know a little bit about technology. But what Showmax have announced is that they are going to be doing their first original programming made again right here. And it's going to be called Tully's Wedding Diary, which is a mockumentary about Tully, a self-obsessed Santon princess who's moved to Cape Town and hired a documentary crew to film the build-up to her wedding to her property fiancé. Has to be called Darren. I mean, what else do you call a fiancé in Cape Town? Anyway, the fact is it's been getting some interesting pre-reviews about what it's on about. And uh, it's being produced right here and will stream exclusively on Showmax going forward. And, I mean, they're it's interesting to see how Showmax are growing this this area. It, it makes sense. All the big streaming players globally, Netflix, um, Amazon, Hulu, HBO. I mean, HBO are a television network, but still, streaming is a huge part of their business today. All of them are doing their own online you know, content that is totally exclusive to them and uh, should be very interesting. This eight-part series will premiere on Showmax in December, and each episode will be around about 20 minutes. I look forward to that, and let's hope they invest more in the local uh, community, more in the local development of of programs, and it certainly can't do any harm. And the exposure across Africa, across Europe, might be a little hyper-local right now, but certainly interesting. So good on you, Showmax. Anyway, we have to have a quick break for some adverts, and then we'll move on with some more interesting news and uh, tech tech product. <laughs> tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, hi there and welcome back. And I just realized that uh, I'm sort of doing a show on the day before a massive long weekend. I was wondering why the roads were so quiet and never, well, maybe it's because all the highways have been blocked by the taxi guys who have decided that they're not happy with their payments. And I saw a really funny tweet about that. Um, I'm also on my way down to the Toyota dealership to tell them that their top of the line products are far too expensive and I want to pay you know, get a 50% discount on their uh, monthly fees because it's just not right. I mean, why shouldn't we all be driving around in big 4x4 Lexus, uh, you know, SUVs? I mean, it's absolutely shameful. Really, Toyota, if you're listening, you need to sort out your fees. But anyway, not getting involved in any of these sort of things. Um, we've got a quick live read here, and it's for the ladies. Are you bored with your regular exercise routines? The thump, thump, thump as your feet hit the treadmill and your knees know all about that. Oh, your painful knees after the workout. It's time to consider Bounce Fit, an exercise class conducted on giant trampolines. Sounds like absolute heaven. Real fun. If you're interested in being part of the High FM Bounce Fit Ladies Challenge, just email Kathy, that's K-A-T-H-Y, Kathy at highfm.com for all the details. And stay fit and have some fun at the same time. I mean, sounds like great fun, not just jogging around on the on the treadmill. Now, back to some tech news. And as I said, it's really interesting to see that Showmax, which are the local streaming 
partner, if you want to call it that, to DSTV. And did you know this? You actually can, if you connect your DSTV Explorer or Explorer 2 decoder to the Internet, and now that more and more of you are getting fiber, it's just sort of a, a no-brainer thing to do. Not only do you get a massively expanded catch-up catalog, you get instant access on the decoder. You don't need to get a little box. You don't need a smart TV. You need nothing. You get instant access to all the Showmax streaming. Obviously, you've got to pay an additional fee of 99 Rand a month. And there are a couple of deals out there, so watch it. But, I mean, all, all in one box, all connected, it's not bad value. And, I mean, compared to the international with the Rand where it is, 7.99 to 9.99 for the international um streaming services it's actually i think pretty good value and they haven't shifted it in over a year which is really interesting considering the prices keep going up now another major major show that is on actually i think it's still running is called e3 now e3 is the massive gaming convention that happens every single year it's in los angeles and all the big guys announce new product new um new technologies, and most importantly for you guys who are into gaming, um, is games. All the new games, all the new stuff that you're going to see in the next little while um, get announced at E3. And obviously, Nintendo is one of the sort of hot new products with the Nintendo Switch, which has turned into quite a hit. I mean, I've been traveling around a bit lately, and I cannot believe how many people I've seen sitting at the airport, sitting on trains, sitting on buses, sitting on the underground, playing on their Switch tablet, because it's quite clever. It's simply a little tablet, which has the controllers plugged onto either side. Um, And when you're traveling, it's got a nice battery life. It plays all the games, and it's very, very portable, which is brilliant. And when you get home, you simply plug it into the dock and it switches across to your big TV and it behaves like a normal, powerful, decent quality gaming console. And the little controllers clip off, clip together, clip apart, clip onto accessories. Just a really clever, simple and fairly low cost gaming console. I'll talk a little bit more about some of the bigger consoles that have been released um, which are the sort of mega consoles from Xbox. And of course, you've got the PlayStation 4. But... Anyway, the Nintendo, the, 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 big, the big name that's attached to Nintendo is, of course, Super Mario. And um, they launched a couple of new games based on Super Mario. And uh, it was really interesting. It's called Super Mario Odyssey, where the mustachioed protagonist is leaving the confines of his own world for the concrete jungle. And it's just really interesting. It plays games and it jumps around. And the, the best part about... Um, about Nintendo has always been how easily accessible it is, how simple it is to play, how much fun the gameplay has. So I promise you, most of us with children have got a... um, Sorry, I'm just playing YouTube videos here. Mustn't fiddle around with the internet while you're busy um, trying to do a show. Um, But most of us find that the kids absolutely love it, and I get sucked in often with the kids and with friends to play on a Nintendo Wii Um, The Switch is still on its way for review one of these fine days. But anyway, definitely there's going to be a whole lot of new games, a whole lot of fantastic new um, uh, different types of, you know, first shooter games, fantasy games, adventure games, and of course the various Super Marios, etc., etc. And I mean, from the demos that I've seen, some of them look really, really, really impressive. So that was just one little teeny sort of... um, 
look at what Nintendo are doing at uh, E3. But the big news of E3 was the new Xbox. Now, Microsoft have always done some really interesting stuff um, around the Xbox. And in many ways, it's you know been one of the most dominant uh, you know, game platforms on the market up to now. And they launched a brand new one at E3. And uh, it's... It is quite something. This thing is probably the most powerful. It's called the Xbox One X, and it's definitely one of the most powerful gaming platforms short of a massive standalone gaming rig, rig that you could ever, ever get to. And and the reports, I haven't obviously seen it because it's just been released, but the reports on the hardware, the the new games that have written, obviously, everything's about 4K. Now, Nintendo don't do 4K. That's a whole different story. But the new gaming consoles, certainly from PlayStation and from Xbox, are all 4K. Totally dominates, you know, the the, the way that things, that video is being produced. All the streaming is now 4K. Um, the gaming is in 4K. But the hardware improvements, the speed and the power of the console itself has taken most games to almost a virtual reality sort of environment, which is quite something. The resolution is unbelievable. The the way that the games play themselves or, or the characters can move and act and play in the games is beyond anything. I mean, I've played with some of the VR stuff at some of the conferences I've been to, and some of the games there have been absolutely outstanding. But here's what's interesting about the Xbox One X, as they call it. Um, it's quarter the size and much quieter than the current unit, which certainly doesn't hurt. So it's a tiny little box, but they've doubled the processing power. They've doubled the video processing power, and they've certainly make it, made it one of the most powerful, uh, you know, consoles on the market and the games th that they were showing off certainly do highlight some of the the new features the power the, the resolution the speed and of course um, moving into augmented reality and virtual reality more and more of that is going to come from these various consoles so you plug it into your normal tv and you've got absolute gamer class power um, running the same sort of games and obviously connected to the internet, the multi-mode playing and playing with friends and, and, you know, all sorts of other stuff is just becoming more and more possible. So really, um, if you're into gaming, I, s I suspect it's going to be an expensive console, probably seven, 8,000 Rand when it launches, probably later this year. But it's a big deal. And uh, Microsoft with the Xbox One X are looking to dominate. It should be really, really interesting. But... Every report I've read show, said that this thing is incredible. The gaming quality is unbelievable. And in technical terms, you're buying the most powerful PC or the most powerful computer you can uh, for seven, 8,000 Rand. And on that note, before we get into Tech Talk Cafe and talk about some of the exciting and interesting stuff that came out of uh, WWDC from Apple, we have a quick news break. Hi, FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, hi there and welcome back. Now we're going to take a little in-depth walk through uh, WWDC. You didn't have to travel all the way to America. You just had to watch the internet and see what was happening at Apple's big developer conference. And obviously the most sort of high-profile thing that is coming out of WDC. No surprise, something that we've all been expecting is iOS 11. But iOS 11 may just be a new operating system. Um, 
and and for most for the most part the same as the new version of OSX operating systems are not meant to be front and center of what you and I do you use it it should fade into the background should enable the apps to do whatever the apps do enable to use your phone or your platform your tablet or your computer to do whatever you need to do and do it in a way that is pretty much unobtrusive and unnoticed for the most part but what is so important about every new software update or platform update or um, an update to the basic underlying operating system of your various little gadget is what it enables the developers to develop, to create, and that gives you the sense of where technology is going, what technologies are going to be dominant in the next couple of years, where we're going to see uh, you know, all the, the cool gadgety stuff coming, accessories, platforms, and various other things. And true to form, Apple announced some really significant system-wide design changes. And what they did is they focused on bolder fonts, borderless buttons, new animations, and other small visual tweaks, which is stuff you and I will see. Um, a lot of the interface elements have been completely overhauled. I haven't downloaded it and played with it yet. I will do so in the next couple of weeks, but let them get past this first stage where no apps work, half the interfaces are not complete. It's just a little too raw for day-to-day -day use. But basically, they're looking to completely revamp the interface, the experience, and the way that you work things. So a very simple thing. You, those of us who use iOS and use Apple phones will notice that the new control center, which is on two pages now, which a lot of people never even realize because they're two tiny little dots when you swipe up from the bottom, has a completely new look, and it's all available on one page. So there'll be everything you want. And if you want to dig deeper into it, rather than the options appearing on the screen at that time, you simply use 3D Touch, which is now a comp which is now standard across 6, 7, 6, 6 plus and 7, and definitely will be available in 8. Um, so for the last three, four generations of phone, you've now got the ability to simply press the screen and get additional options with a sort of forced touch ability um, and that's going to be quite a physical and significant team the lock screen and the notification center have also been merged together and now one entity so when you pull down to access your notification center the lock screen automatically comes up that sounds like not a lot but it removes an extra step so you can go directly from notifications straight in you don't have to go via the lock screen it's all in one lock screen and that's really great Interestingly enough, and this is part of where iOS is going and the, the way that iOS and OS X, which is their, their laptop operating system or their, their computer operating system, how they're merging, they've brought out a brand new thing called Files App. Now, for us who have come out of the Windows world where you've always had a Files App, you've always been able to do nested folders and organize things in folders. Mac and, and Apple have never, Mac, yeah, and, and Apple and iOS have never really done that that well often you know in a, in a hyper organized sort of world you find that thing files all over the show you don't know what to do where to find them and certainly on ios there were a couple of third-party apps you never had an app from apple that allowed you to find out where you put your files you know you wanted photos they were in the photo app you wanted voice notes in the voice note app you wanted uh, other things they were somewhere else now you've got a, an app from them called Files, which will pull it all together and allow you to go to the file and open the associated app, not open the app and try to find the associated file, which 
some people I know, like my son, um, loves working in that way, though as he's get more and more into work and uh, organizing things in a work sort of environment, he's found that the, the lack of structure in, in, in Mac perhaps is not great for business. But they've launched a new app which will allow that to do that in a completely new way. And where this is more powerful than anything is part of the hardware stuff. We'll talk about the new hardware now, but a brand new 10.5 Mac um, iPad Pro has been launched. But iOS 11 brings massive changes to the iPad uh, family, certainly the Pro family, which is, is you know, got pen support and much more aimed at sort of laptop replacement, is that the dock at the bottom is now much, much, much more capable. You can put... Uh, it's called, they call it the persistent dock. But basically what you can do is you can swipe up from the dock. You don't have to touch it. You can swipe up and use it like a multitasking system. So you swipe up and up pops the program. You swipe up another one and up, up it pops. So the multitasking has become much more intuitive, much easier. And what you can do is you can put much more things. There was a certain limit to how much you could dock at the bottom. So the new iPad Pro or large screen iOS dock looks a lot more like the Apple sort of dock bar or bar at the bottom of your Apple computer screen and behaves in some ways far better. You don't have to click on it. It's touch screen. You can open multiple apps. Um, you can shuffle between them. And obviously, they built a new app switcher, which makes it easier once they're all open to switch between all of them. So some big changes coming and some underlying changes. What they've done is they've created some things, which I love this, their developer kits are called kits. So now augmented reality and virtual reality obviously is becoming a huge thing. And up to now, Apple have not really played in that space at all. You've not been able to. You had to use Windows if you wanted to use the Oculus Rift, if you wanted to use any one of the VR platforms like the HTC Vive, any of those. It did not work on any Apple gear. Well, the good news is in the latest version of Mac OS, which they call High Sierra, and um, part of the AR kit that is built into iOS 11, which or it's built for iOS 11, which allows you to build these type of features into your iPad and your phone, all of a sudden now Apple have taken VR and AR extremely seriously. And again, from some of the initial reports from some of the developers I've spoken to who are playing in that space, they are blown away at the ease, the consistency. <laughs> oh, excuse me. The ease and the consistency and the ability and the sheer power of um, the Apple solution to these type of problems. So um, the latest version of Mac iOS, which was called Sierra, is now called High Sierra. So it's called 10.13. They haven't moved it to version 11, but they've made some significant under-the-hood updates. For the first time, and this is something that no one even noticed, when they updated to iOS 10.2, a brand new file system was implemented by Apple. Now, the file system is the way that everything is organized in your hard drive in your phone. And a completely new version was implemented by Apple. And from a purely technical point of view, switching from one file system to another, ask any techie pro, they'll tell you it's a nightmare. When it happened with Windows, there were all manner of nightmares. People lost their data, corruption. And although there were a couple, some very small amounts of complaints about um, the latest iOS 10 update messing up phones, it was certainly not a big deal. It certainly didn't hit the mainstream media. And... When people people didn't even realize that they had moved from one version 
of a file system to a completely new, totally modern and much more capable version that Apple introduced in iOS 10.3 or 10.2, I think it was. Um, and it happened seamlessly in the background. Well, apparently that's exactly what is happening to the Mac OS, um, their Mac OS High Sierra. The Apple file system that's called APFS, techies love acronyms. Anyway, it's optimized for solid state drives, which more and more tablets, computers, and laptops are, are using. And it uses a new version of compression, which allows much higher video quality streaming and much smaller file sizes. So basically, your hard drive just got a boost in terms of capacity simply by switching it. And it's it happens entirely um, in the background. So when you one day update, this is not going to happen until around about September, September, maybe early October for iOS 11 and Mac OS High Sierra. Both of these new operating systems are in beta. So the developers are having a ball. It's breaking everything that works. All the app guys have to revamp their apps to take account of the changes and some of the new f- features. So it's really not ready for mainstream right now. But these sort of benefits will definitely pay off because if you've got a um, MacBook Air with a 128 gig hard drive, imagine getting a 30% bump in capacity simply by ch- updating the operating system. It might not be that big. It depends so much on the on the files you have. But your video files, your picture files, which tend to eat up most of your hard drive, will certainly be far more efficiently stored going forward using the latest version of the Apple file system. But the other significant change in Mac OS High Sierra uh, is something they call Metal 2. Now, Metal is their video support platform um, it incorporates all the various uh, APIs, which is how the programs talk to each other. And it's added support for speech recognition, which is definitely the next way that we're going to interface with our gadgets. The whole issue of speech and talking to your various bits and pieces and gadgets and gizmos is becoming more and more useful. They've improved the natural language processing and significantly which is quite something for a computer, computer vision. So in other words, when you look at your computer, it's going to have uh, cameras, infrared cameras, other cameras that will look in 3D and do all sorts of interesting stuff. And uh, when you combine that with the latest version of of their sort of USB technology called Thunderbolt 3, the -the top-of-the-line Macs now all support virtual reality and, now all you real gadgety techies out there will be amazed at this, external graphic cards because you've got the super slim laptop you're trying to do some amazing stuff with vr there's no ways you can have the power nor the size to put those massive graphic cards in well now you just plug it into your usb uh, or your thunderbolt 3 connection and you get all the benefits as well as a little portable laptop you can walk away from big changes to safari but overall some um, some real indicators of where technology is going, what Apple are looking at. And really, as much as we've spoken about VR and and AR and all these sort of virtual worlds we live in, it's been sort of a techie thing. It's something that you wonder at, you see on the TV, and it looks amazing, but it hasn't hit mainstream. But when a company as dominant and as big and as significant globally, such as Apple, release um, platforms, programming interfaces and all the various bits and pieces to make these technologies available via their billion, and I mean literally over a billion devices of Apples are running around the world used by people, companies, developers, you name it. 
um, suddenly it pulls the whole thing well and truly into the mainstream. So expect massive um, pushes in regards to apps, platforms, programs, you name it. Things that you can use for work, things you can use for home, things you can use for gaming, for training, for museums. I mean, the possibilities of an augmented reality layer across everything we do and see and speak via your phone, connected to your computer. You know, suddenly this stuff starts becoming really possible because you've now got a company that gets it, a company that can provide all the various bits and pieces, tools, development kits, whatever you need to actually make money out of it. And I mean, for most of us, you get up in the morning, you go to work, be that work developing apps, whatever, you need to make a living and stay on the cutting edge. So really interesting to see what's going on there. Moving on to uh, another new operating system, and they really had a busy time there. Um, they're releasing Watch OS 4, also in beta, probably only come out in September, probably with a brand new watch at that time. For all you people who have a watch, there is going to be a new one this year. But they've introduced new watch faces, Kaleidoscope, Toy Story, a whole Disney thing, and Siri. And a watch face that uses Siri to update dynamic suggestions based on your preferences and the time of day. So just some physical stuff there's a great new workout app that i I look through that really um, is pretty interesting and siri is listening to me i shouldn't mention siri with my iphone on the desk Um, then there's new gym kit functions as i said everything that's a kit allows developers to create new functionality so the gym kit functionality allows the watch to interface and share information with gym equipment over bluetooth so when you walk into your gym some of the new fancy gyms have got all the latest equipment you can actually connect your watch to the equipment where it picks up all the data so your treadmill or all that information can come directly um or your bike can go directly to your your watch, which then can be stored in Apple Health, and all sorts of things can be done. And multiple workouts can can now be combined combined into a simple single workout. And the activity app is really being updated with intelligent coaching and all sorts of um, sort of smart features, which will be really cool. I don't think there's much uh, more than that coming to the watch, but I think person to person Apple Pay payments. Big in the East, big in Europe now, big in America, hopefully coming to South Africa sometime soon. You can then simply use your watch to pay for your groceries. That should be interesting. But here's where I can see we're running out of time again. Wow. But the last or not the last, but certainly a major significant part of the keynote or the major announcement is that there are going to be a whole lot of brand new hardware uh, products. And I, for one, am not pleased with one of them anyway. There are new MacBooks and new MacBook Pros, which is quite upsetting. I just bought myself a MacBook Pro in the last month, and they have replaced all the MacBook Pros. Now, Physically, there is no change. So if you bought a MacBook Pro up to now with a touch bar or without the touch bar, there is no physical change to the MacBook. But what they have done, less than a year after they launched the MacBook, is updated to the very latest processors from um, Intel, which should push the battery life beyond 10 hours. It's already pretty good, but push it to around about 13 hours. They've also improved the video cards to make them significantly faster. So the new KB Lake processors obviously improves processing speed, not that that was an issue, improves battery life, which is always an issue. They've also included faster hard drives, SSDs, which, again, will make the the whole computer a lot snappier, um, and more um, RAM. 
But this goes across the entire range. So the iMacs, you know, the, the standalone desktop computers, the 23 and 27-inch, they've also launched an iMac Pro, which will retail for round about 80,000, rand, I think, by the time it hits South Africa. It's 5,000 U.S. dollars, so we're talking at least 80,000 rand. Um, when it launches in December 2017. But the pros were moaning that Mac hadn't released a killer top-end developer-type product for years. And now they have. And this computer, you would actually struggle. It is so specced out in terms of processor, hard drive, screen, 5K, 27-inch monitor with HDR, everything. You name it, it's got it. Up to 4 terabytes of SSD storage, 128 gigabytes of RAM, it's got enough connections and whatever in a beautiful, simple desktop uh, computer, which uh, Apple have always been good at. But if you had to try to build that sort of computer from components, you'd probably struggle to keep to the $5,000 um, that Apple have managed to get it out at. And what is more, it comes with warranties, it comes with service, it comes with support. It's pretty difficult to to beat that. So Apple have shot a definite uh, arrow at all the guys who were saying that, guys, you know, you need a Windows workstation in order to do this type of work. Well, they're back. Their new, their new iMac Pros certainly are right at the cutting edge, if not slightly uh, ahead of the curve there. And combined with their new, uh, uh, you know, their new operating system, High Sierra, the, it, it certainly is a compelling thing for pros. And the last thing that they announced was their new iPads. The 12.9-inch, which has been around, um, was updated, but they launched a brand-new 10.5-inch iPad Pro, which is the same size as the old 9.7-inch model, but they've made the bezels, the surround, smaller, and they've certainly made it more powerful. Um, what they've done is they've improved the screens dramatically on both iPad Pros. They're now up to a refresh rates of up to 120 hertz. That might not mean a lot, but what it means is that when you move something on the screen, it's much more fluid. It doesn't lag. It's quicker. It's faster. It's cleaner. You play video, high-definition video, at very high frame rates. There won't be any smear. They've also made the pencil far more responsive. They've dropped the latency. In other words, the time from you touch the screen to when you move it down to 20 milliseconds, which is about half of where it was. So you'll be able to... Um, you know, do a lot more work. And combined with the new operating system, I must say that they've probably moved the new iPads far closer to being computer replacements um, than ever before. And again, all the reports are that um, these new iPads are significantly better than they were before. And the new screens are smarter. The battery life is better. You've got uh, better cameras front and back. You've got faster CPU and GPU. GPU is the graphics performance across the the board. And it actually makes most of these much more powerful than than fairly entry-level computers with much better battery life and much lower weight and size. Nothing to complain about that. So watch those. The new iPad Pro model should be in South Africa within the month. The pricing is not going to be cheap, but certainly a lot cheaper than um, uh, an equivalent MacBook Pro. And once iOS 11 launches towards the uh, end of September, you will have a a device that in many, many respects handles files like a computer, handles programs like a computer, and in fact is a little computer. And on that note, we have to take a quick ad break and we'll be back with some more uh, good tech straight after this. 
Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, hi there and welcome back. And um, the last segment of the show, there are a couple of things. I've got some great new little apps that I want to highlight, which uh, we're talking about cloud, we're talking about saving your data and with all the fires and whatnot going on. Not bad news. But before I get there, I came across a really fascinating article um, and it's from the IDC, which are a major research company in the world, but certainly do a lot of work in Africa. And just as I must tell you, I, I think I've even said it on the show, the amount of smartphones in the world, we, we're moving into a very mature market. But for many, many people, Africa has been growing so dramatically that we're way behind the curve in that regard. I mean, smartphone sales have slowed down in America, slowed down in Europe, slowed down in in the East dramatically over the last year or two because simply when you're hitting penetration rates of 80-90% or 70-80% to 80%, depending where you are, there's very little you can do. People do not replace their phones as often as they would because the, the difference between a 2016 uh, smartphone and a 2017 smartphone is there. There's no question that cameras are a bit better, things are a bit faster, Screens are a bit sharper. Battery life's perhaps a bit better. But overall, even if you're using a 2015 or 2016 phone, you're more than happy right now to wait an extra nine months to a year to get the next generation of phone. So for many places that the growth in new people switching from dumb phones or feature phones to smartphones had been done, there was no more of that left. And um, for the most part, people were pretty happy with the phones they had. Obviously, there were people upgrading all the time, but essentially, um, people were not in the same sort of run and the whole thing had slowed down. Now, the general sort of thinking around South Africa and Africa is that we had so far behind. Our penetration rates were in the 20, 30, 40% range um, for smartphones. In fact, smartphones throughout Africa are still in the low 10 to 15% range that the growth would persist, would continue for a long time. There's one major problem is that those, if you looked at those that could afford smartphones, you'd probably find that in the that sort of part of Africa, that sort of part of South Africa, those that could afford smartphones now physically had smartphones in the last two years. So we track pretty much what goes on around the world very, very, very closely in certain segments, call it the first or the more developed part of our economies across Africa and South Africa. Now, South Africa, interestingly, has now hit smartphone penetration of close to 50 to 55 percent, which is pretty massive considering the rest of Africa is in the you know, below 20% for the most part. So we've done a really good job of getting smartphones in. But what IDC have found is that the, the mobile phone sales in general across Africa and the broader continent has fallen drastically in the first quarter of 2017 compared to the fourth quarter of last year. Now, a lot of that is driven by all sorts of local happenings. We've got recessions and turmoil in Nigeria, which is one of the biggest markets for mobile in the, in the, on the continent, certainly bigger than South Africa in many respects. And South Africa has had its own sort of turbulent little history <laughs> the last couple of months with all the political uncertainty, the rent crashing, finance ministers crashing, you name it. And all of this has created a market where there was a massive 
drop in total units sold um, from the last quarter of 2016. And in many respects, again, I think that was part of a push. Everyone expected a great Christmas. It was a terrible Christmas. Most of the uh, cell phone providers thought they would do really well over that period with all the new devices. Well, it didn't really happen. So they were left with tons of stock of devices from the December anticipation were significantly down on 2015 to 2016. So all their planning was perhaps a little off and they were left with too much stock and that had to sell through in 2017. So their orders for the first quarter of 2017 were probably terrible. And well, they were terrible. I mean, we are down um, five, six, seven million units, 17.6% decline of smartphones. The other thing, as I was talking about a little earlier, what we are sitting with is a continent there where those who can afford and can handle a smartphone have got one. And the vast majority of the people who perhaps really do not need, they may benefit from, but they do not need or they cannot afford the advanced features of smartphones, certainly the data and everything that goes with it, um, are very happy with, you know, dumb phones or feature phones, uh, as they've been called. And interestingly enough, IDC have shown that in that um, Feature phone growth was up 8.4% across the market. So, you know, where you can just make voice calls, send out an SMS, um, there's definitely a massive demand. And interestingly, this is sort of borne out by some discussions I've had with a friend of mine who sells 2G networks in Africa, travels Africa all the time, uh, selling 2G radios to network operators throughout Africa because, one, they're super cost-effective. Two, their technology is totally stable, easy to install, easy to maintain. Um, And the devices, there are millions and millions of devices that can handle 2G and send an SMS, make a phone call, and perhaps in some of the more advanced ones, do some very basic web browsing through Edge. So there's definitely been a, a huge shift and we are going to have to sit for probably a couple of years with low growth in the smartphone market, which is not great for anybody, really. It certainly does cut back on innovation and certainly slows down what's possible in this space. But um, there's no doubt that we've hit a maturity in Africa in terms of devices out there. And certainly the only growth we're going to see on the really cheap, you know, 100 rand to 400 rand dumb or semi, semi-dumb type smartphones um, not dumb smartphones, semi-dumb phones that basically are going to make calls, send SMSs and do some very basic stuff. So very interesting feature or very interesting research from IDC. And, um, you know, we talk about all the new operating systems and the new fancy stuff that's coming. Truth be told, a lot of people are just too happy to have communication of some sort at some point. Now, moving on to the last two segments of the show, Logitech have just solved a problem none of us really thought we had. Everybody has a problem now and then you sit down, you take your mouse out, you try to use it, the battery's dead. So you either put in new batteries or you have to plug it in and let it recharge while you use it. Well, what Logitech have done is bring wireless charging to your mouse pad. So they've brought out a smart little mouse pad. They call it PowerPlay. And what it is, it's the first wireless charging system for gaming mice and for other mice when at rest or even when you're using them. So what happens? You use this mouse pad, which looks and feels like a normal mouse pad. It just happens to be active. And while you're busy gaming or while you walk away from your computer, um, your mouse is busy charging up and you never, ever have to worry about putting batteries into your <laughs> into your mouse again. I think that's absolutely brilliant. So you've got a wireless mouse. 
um, complete with this gaming pad or this touchpad or whatever you want to call it, touchpad, this mouse pad, which simply charges your mouse wirelessly. It will be even smarter if it charged your phone. I, um, I haven't seen that. Uh, it doesn't, there's absolutely no mention about it yet. But it, they're obviously focusing very much on their gaming stuff right now. But I do believe that this is the future. I mean, why wouldn't you want a little plug your mouse pad in? Mouse pads don't do much. Um, they just sit there, and everyone uses one mostly for their mice on their desk. And you never need to worry about charging your mouse again, ever. As I said, a problem none of us thought we had, and a solution that is actually really, really, really smart. So keep an eye out for it. It's called the Logitech G903 and the G703. Um, and my personal preference, I use Logitech mice at home. Um, I've used them for years. I find them super stable, super reliable, and incredibly easy to use. They track anything. I've had a other couple of brands of mice over the years, and most of them tend to last about a year. And then they start getting dodgy. They don't track on certain things. Just not a great experience. Well, Logitech certainly seemed to own the market in that regard. Um, and definitely by making getting rid of one last little thing that you never thought you needed to worry about having to ever worry about batteries for your wireless mouse um i think they've done a great job i think it's really really clever don't know when it's coming to south africa it should be out fairly soon uh, i'll let you know and i'm sure it's going to be at the higher end of the price point but still you know these are not expensive things so keep your eyes open for the fully wireless charging mouse from Logitech, the G903 and the G703 should be out in the next month or two in South Africa. Now we have a quick ad break and then some advice on what app you need to use to put all your pictures and documents and whatnot in the cloud. with Stephen Ambrose. Hi there and welcome back. Now, in light Bad choice of words. But anyway, in light of the recent events down in Nisen and Plett and along the coast where people really ran out of their houses with absolutely nothing, everything was burnt up, you know, obviously the discussion gets around the table. What happens if it ever happened to you or I? What would you grab? Apart from the pets and your kids, of course, um, the most important thing that most people feel they would rather not lose in a fire are photos, pictures, memories, personal stuff. You know, other stuff tends to be replaceable, but memories, pictures, things you took over the years are completely irreplaceable. And today, with everyone taking a million pictures, saving a million documents and things on their computers, their tablets, their iPads, whatever, it, and their phones, it really is becoming critical that you keep a backup of all that stuff or you store that stuff other than on that device itself. Devices get stolen. Devices get lost. Accidents happen, fires happen, things get destroyed, and it just makes no sense in this day and age for moder minimal cost. I mean, really moderate cost. We're talking about a couple of hundred rand, sometimes a thousand rand a year to pay for the various uh, platforms and products in order to keep everything safe. Now, the two big daddies in the sort of cloud storage, they're actually this, they're quite a few now that it comes to mind. But the guys, most people know Dropbox. Everyone's heard of Dropbox. They're one of the first on the market. They've done a great job. They've got great business functionality for those that want to use it. So if you're looking for any form of cloud or off-site storage, Dropbox is a great one. Um, 
The other one that has come to my attention recently was a company called Box. Now, Box are not associated with Dropbox, but they're another company, and I've used them. But what they've launched as of yesterday is desktop functionality that competes with Dropbox and in some respects even improves on some of the features that Dropbox do, and I can't go into that now. But basically, you need to look at one or two of these systems. Look at it, dropbox.com or box.com. You can download it, install it on your phones, your iPads, your Androids, you name it, and you can set it to save absolutely every picture you take in the cloud, every document you ever use in the cloud. It can be stored locally, so if you're on a plane or you're somewhere where you haven't got connectivity, you can work on it. But as soon as you connect back to your Wi-Fi at home, back to your office, connect to your 3G network, everything that you've done gets saved automatically in the cloud. And it's an absolute must. So have a look at the new box features, box.com or dropbox.com, and have a look. And next week I'll actually mention there are two other ways you can get it done through Google and through Microsoft. But that's for another session. And on that note, we have to call it a day. Thanks for listening. This is Stephen Ambrose right here on High FM with Tech Talk.